0: And I asked them, what are y'all doing? And how can I get this stuff you're doing? Mm. They said, we are putting you in the cloud forever.
1: (laughs) In the cloud? You know, know, putting
0: this podcast up in that world. Okay, All you have to do is pull it down. Okay. 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 And so after he told me that, I began to understand more about this podcasting and stuff, do you have the power to put it in the cloud?
1: I do. I do.
0: And and do you and you have conversation with your people. There's a competition out. Of, you can put it in the cloud and nobody might not find you. Right. <laughs> I know that but yeah. <laughs> I know that okay. but so cool. so people can find us yeah. in the cloud.
1: Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a podcast about racial divisions in churches. I'm one of the hosts, Isaac Adams, our co-host, Trillian Newbell, couldn't be here uh, with us today. And today is a special day. It is the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s death. Uh, April 4th, 2018, he was killed. April 4th, 1968. Eight. And today I have as a guest on the show Dr. John Perkins uh, It is such an honor to have you on the show, Dr. Perkins uh, You're a leading civil rights activist today, you're an author You just had a new book come out called One Blood And you're the founder of the Christian Community Development Association And before I even get started introing you more um, I just want to say I can't think of a better day to interview you on uh, And it is an honor to have you, brother
0: it's, it's an honor to be here with you.
1: Thank you, brother. Dr. Perkins, let me just tell uh, our listeners a little bit about you, but I'm going to say it as if I'm talking with you and we're just having a conversation. You were born in 1930 in Mississippi. Uh, your mother died from starvation when you were seven months old. And you were abandoned by your father. You were raised by, raised by your sharecropping grandparents on a southern plantation. You fled Mississippi in 1947 after your brother was fatally shot uh, by a white police officer. The officer said he was talking too loud. Your Brother Clyde was 12 years older than you and a recently returned decorated World War II veteran. Uh, You tell more about this heartbreaking story in the first chapter of your first book, Let Justice Roll Down. You fled Mississippi in fear of your life, and 10 years after this shooting, your son Spencer invited you to church, and you were converted to Christianity in 1957. Praise the Lord. Uh, You led voter registration efforts in 1964. You worked for school desegregation in 1967, and you were imprisoned and tortured by a sheriff's state police in a Mississippi jail in 1970. Uh, You've been married for 56 years. You've led demonstrations and filed lawsuits on behalf of blacks on issues of equal pay, hiring practices, and poor treatment of inmates. Yet despite being ambushed, despite being beaten, you've remained determined to seek justice and reconciliation based in Christ's redemptive work. So you've had a lot of jobs. You've been a janitor, a welder, an equipment designer, a Bible teacher, civil rights activist, a community developer, and an author— and you say you want to devote the rest of your life to biblical reconciliation. Is that right? That's right. Amen. Uh, I just want to uh, pause and thank you again. I know so many people who have been blessed by your ministry. First uh, Timothy 5 talks about, uh, it's really to young, instructions to young men on how to treat other people in the church. Treat young sisters, uh, treat young women as sisters with all purity, older women as mothers, and older men as you would a father. And uh, Dr. Perkins, you're 87 years old, and I just want to thank you and honor you. Uh, from a younger man, you were just talking about the younger generation as a father in this battle, uh, as a as a hero. Uh, and I know I know you kind of grimace with that title, but I want to honor you that way. Um, my my biological sister and sister in the faith, Esther Adams, uh, she in college uh, came to do work with you with your organization. Another sister, I know Kristen Jameson in the faith who's listening to this show was so appreciative of you. So just know uh, so many people are grateful for your ministry and work, uh, brother. And I wanted to say that on the front end. So let me hop in some questions and then we will uh, we'll hop into some prayer. So Dr. Dr. Perkins, you've said in many ways, our nation appears to be more divided and hateful than ever. You said that in your book, Dream With Me. And you said, not since the civil rights movement of the, 60s, of the 60s has our country been this vigorously engaged in the reconciliation conversation. And we're, in, we're at an event right now, and the occasion for this event is Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. So here's my first question for you. What was it like when Martin Luther King was shot? What was, what was happening? Who were you with? Describe that for me. Well, I was at a, a
0: rural... School. I had the privilege of going back to Mississippi to live, began my life's work in 1960. And that was the, uh, rolled Apart probably in 56 or, or so, 57, kicked off the whole civil rights movement. In Mississippi, there was Emmett Till about a year or so later. Those was the foundation people in which they discovered Martin Luther King, a young uh, Ph.D. working on it uh, from Boston University, had just come to Montgomery to pastor a a sort of what you would have called the the middle-class church in the capital city of Alabama. Mm. And they had had a, a very... Active uh, uh, pastor who had been a really a groundbreaker in the early civil rights movement, but he wasn't. He brought him a long way, but he wasn't educated, and so they got it as Martin was. So they found this young guy to come to that church, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it coincided with uh, uh, Rosa Parks resistance uh, movement and then I came back to Mississippi then in 19 and uh, uh, 60 just about three or so years earlier mm-hmm. now I came back primarily to come back to my home town and home area community to share the gospel with those rural people that I had grown up with but I had never heard the clarity of the gospel because my family was bootleggers and, and sharecroppers. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I had missed it. But I had come to faith through the influence of my own little son who had went to some good news clubs and had heard the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm back there, starting my life world, and I'm at one of, I ended up for nine solid years almost, preaching the gospel in the rural area. Nobody basically knew about it but my friends in California. Mm. And I was out in one of these schools mm. uh, teaching and learning both the gospel and learning the history and the behavior of black people. And so when I got in that evening from my rural school, uh, I was getting calls on the phone, but also at the same time, when I got there, some children and another lady in the community ran out to meet me. They saw me, and they said, uh, and they just heard it on the news, right. that uh Martin Luther King was dead. We knew there was something, because he had already built our hope earlier mm. in 1963. Uh, when he laid out, articulated for us a dream we didn't even know. He articulated, I have a dream in our longing. We didn't know the adequacy and the order of that dream. And he anchored that dream in the American dream. He anchored it in the Constitution that he wanted them to know. He anchored it in the illustration that every time we as black come to protest the bank of our constitution in America, we found it bankrupt. We got back uh, a check, uh, not sufficient fund. Mm-hmm. And so he anchored that in in the whole idea of uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all human beings was created equal and was doubted by their creator with certain inherited right, Chief among those were life, liberty, and the pursuit of gas. But that bank was not open for us. Every time we asked for it, we carried back a black check. He said, We're here now to cash that check. And that was the movement. And he had talked, he had calculated where we had come from and where he wanted us to go. He said, Let justice roll down and look out mountain, Tennessee. Let justice roll down in New York, Allegheny Mountain, and so he went around the world, and he engaged us. He gave us hope. I have a dream that my four little children will not be judged, living in a land where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. We had me when I heard that I crossed the line, and I imagine a lot of us was crossed the line, was looking for the opportunity mm. to respond to that. Mm. And so when we we heard that he was killed, our hope was vanished. It mm. was a and so many of the people, frustrated, looking for a leader, went to burning it down mm. for no more hope. Those were drastic days and we didn't know where to go from there. You know, every time he would meet and meet with people, he would say, where do we go from here? And he didn't quite know what it was. They hadn't been there before. You know, they were making the road as they went. Now our leader is gone. Hope is gone. So we might as well die to a better uh, burn this system down. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a horrible moment mm-hmm. in the history of the world. Every time we turned our radio at night, our television, we were expecting what city would be burned next. Mm-hmm. Detroit, L.A. and mm-hmm. others would be burned. So it was a very, very uh, uh, hopeless uh, situation.
1: Dr. Perkins, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm I'm left speechless to even think about how hopeless it must have been, how how devastating it must have been. Let me ask you this question then. What gives you hope? You've you were there when King was shot. You're there, you're here 50 years later. Do you have hope? What give what gives you hope when you think about? race, church, injustice, division? What gives you hope? I
0: think if I look back at it now, it has been the growing influence of those, I think, that I shared my burden with. And I shared that burden sort of with the idea that we was going to take leadership. And the blessing is that there have been other older men longing for that, a few. And then was there was that young group of people who was longing for that. Now, I didn't know it to that extent. It would have been better if I had known it. But they got shook out, but they was already there. You know, they got shook out with my sort of talking about it. And I came up with a a way of when I go into a community, I'm looking at the potential of that leadership. I'm looking for those who haven't had a voice. I'm looking for those who are longing for a better life. And that you got to find those. And and there's always going to be a struggle because there's going to be people who want you to just continue to mass it with everybody. But if you mass it with everybody, you won't get the discipleship you need. Mm. And so you got to be looking and listening and finding those who want to look, but somehow or another been trapped out. And that you got to become their bridge. Mm. You got to become their hope. And that's discipleship, mm. that which you have heard of me, Paul said, among many witnesses, that commit unto. Faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. And when Paul went into that region where Timothy was a boy, then he discovered that young guy with possibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. That's what I do. And that's what makes now at the end of my life so powerful to see young men like you mm-hmm. taking up the foundational stuff of prayer. Prayer is where we begin. Prayer is what we continue. Prayer is always. Prayer is before, after, doing it, starting over, because prayer is listening for the will of God. Prayer is listening for the call of God. Prayer is they listening for the direction of God. And so prayer is what we go on the pilgrim with. We are pilgrims mm. listening for the will of God. Mm. We are listening for Psalm 23 to be fulfilled in our life. Amen. This Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. He makes me. He leads me. He prepared a table before me. This is the Lord's prayer here, that his kingdom would come, that his will be done on earth
1: as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. So what gives you hope in some senses, you had people who were older than you who you could look to, and then you see people younger than you who have the potential to carry this work forward by God's grace. Thank you for sharing that. You've done a lot of activist work, Dr. Perkins. Uh, You started the Christian Community Developers Association, which exists to inspire and train and connect Christians who seek to bear witness to the kingdom of God by reclaiming and restoring under-resourced communities. How has prayer factored into your work despite all the hardship you've known? How is prayer factored into it? I think it pra-
0: practiced in because the bu- the problem was so much greater than the resources. And you said, like Abraham Lincoln, they asked him during the war. Uh, he says, the burden of leading a nation in a time of crisis drives you to prayer. Mm-hmm. The problems are bigger than human resources can bear. I think that has been conscious and unconsciously in my life that the problem has been. I said this afternoon is that we got to stay in the pain of the people with pain. And that's where passion is at. Passion is you sharing their pain and Undeserved suffering, or when you take on suffering of others, it become vicarious. It become redemptive. It become redemptive. Martin said that. Martin saw that. Undeserved suffering become vicarious. And that was Jesus' suffering for us. Because he suffered, he then could lift us out of that suffering. We have not a high priest who could not be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but within all point suffered as we suffered here on earth. He was taught the God from heaven, obedient by the things that he suffered. And so we have to look at suffering as a virtue, not as evil. And that's why I think we make a mistake sometimes, Prosperity theology. Mm. I know what they are saying. Mm. I know what they're saying. I can even respect what they are saying. Mm. But when you, but when you want it for just yourself, you missed it. Mm. You want it for just yourself, you missed it. Mm. What you wish that people would do for you, wish that same thing for them. Enter into the collectiveness of oh, our neighborhood, our family, our community, a mm. state, a nation. Mm. Uh let's try to love God with all our heart. Mm. Let's try to love our neighbor. And you'll find yourself growing in that love.
1: Mm. Amen. Before we pray, Dr. Perkins, one last question. You've written a book that came out yesterday, April 3rd, One Blood. I'm going to ask you to sign my copy. But uh, uh, before you do, um, it's, it's a kind of your final manifesto to the church about race. What incur- for Christians listening to this who are trying to think about race, think about prayer, think about divisions, think about injustices, thinking about what they can do, thinking about what they can't do. What encouragements, what final encouragements do you have? What final?
0: I'm getting encouraged really by uh, one blood, and that's why I written it. Uh, Jesus said to both Mary and to Joseph, they should call the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Mm-hmm. Can't nothing wash away our sin but the blood of Jesus. And Jesus had the blood of the human race. That's wh- what the genealogy is about. He had the blood of Adam. He had the blood of Seth. He had the blood of Ruth. He had the blood of the prostitute. He has the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm trying to put redemptiveness back at the center of our redemption. I'm trying to put the gospel back at the center. You can't get there without repenting and getting your sins forgiven. Sin in its final analysis is against God. My sin, David said, God, is you alone when I kill my mighty man to get his wife, Mm -hmm. I sin against you, God. Mm -hmm. I sin against your standing. Would you wash away my sin? Would you forgive me? And so David wrote the prayer book in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Psalms is a prayer book.
1: Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. Dr. Perkins, I'll know you. As a man who loved the gospel, who loved the gospel. And I'm thankful for that and the model you've set. So I told, uh, we talked about this. Uh, what we do on the show is we, we've, we've had this conversation, but now we try to have this conversation, the most important conversation. So I'd love to invite you to pray. Uh, typically, we pray for at least two to three minutes, but you pray for however long you want. Um, but pray for us, Uh, please, Dr. Perkins, as as you think about One Blood, as you think about your life's work, would you pray for us and encourage us? And after you pray, I'll pray, uh, and then we'll be done there.
0: Father, we come to you. We come to you to celebrate a life spent Not a long life, but he himself said, it's not the matter of the time that you live. It's the effect of what you do during that lifetime. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we're coming to another 50 years. And that we see things uh, change a lot but many things have not changed. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to serve you in this coming generation, that we can say at the end of our life, we served our generation. We did what we could with what you gave us, and that's all you demand of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to lead, to show, to encourage this generation, that which we have learned and heard of you in time past. Oh, Lord, help us to share it with this generation. And, Lord, may that we could make that church reflect your kingdom That kingdom where there be there people singing and praising you from all the languages, all the ethnic groups of the world. And they would be singing in harmony to that one God, that creative God, that we would be reconciled, that we would get there together, black, white, Jews and Gentiles, all the little children of the world. So God, I, footstep, as we go back from Memphis, back to our neighborhoods, back to our community, uh, that we would do even as Martin said, that we would go back to our home, look out Mountain Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, California. And, Lord, that we would pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this dear brother John Perkins. Father, I thank you for his son, Spencer, for how Spencer brought the gospel to him. Lord, we thank you for Dr. King. We thank you for Martin Luther King Jr., Lord, his work, his legacy of love. Father, we realize that he would be Dr. Perkins' age even today, Lord. We realize that you're sovereign over all things. Father, I pray that John's legacy would live on of this love for your gospel that shows up in our actions, that is seen in loving others, that is seen in responding to hate and love, that is seen in forbearing, that is seen in forgiving, Lord, that is seen in speaking the truth, Lord give us this kind of love. Thank you for John and thank you for John and his encouragement even to me today. Father, we do pray that we would be pilgrims of prayer. That we would keep redemption at the center of what we do, the gospel at the center of all that we do. And we pray that we would love and serve you faithfully when it comes to racial divisions in the church. Father, we pray because as John, our brother, has reminded us, the problems are greater than our resources. They are more than we can bear but they're not more than you can bear. That is our hope. We thank you for the hope of generations before us. Lord, I, I sit here with John, and as he looked to men who are older than him, I look to men who are older than me, uh, brothers and sisters older than me, just so grateful for people who took hits so that I could run this torch a little further so that others like me could run this torch a little further, so that those listening to this show could run this torch a little further. And Father, should you tarry and should you give grace, we pray that we might take some hits and see that suffering and count it as all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, uh, because we know that we might be clearing out the way for someone else, as John has done so for me. So we pray this, Lord. We rejoice in this. In Jesus' name, amen. John, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a joy to
0: have. I I sit here and meditate and listen. I think we were supposed to do this earlier. I think it was providentially that we got a chance to me personal, to experience some of this and then be able to get together yeah. at this time, you know, I I think it, it's a little bit more solid.
1: I think so too. I was thinking, you know, yesterday we we were, so for our listeners, we were supposed to record yesterday, April 3rd, and I was, and uh, Corinne's even here laughing. Who he was helping and assisting us. She works with the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission. Shout out to Corinne. Um, and we were running around, and we, the schedule didn't work. But I, then I thought of God's sovereignty, that 50 years to the day, we're sitting here in Memphis, uh, April 4th, 2018. We've experienced some of the conference. You've spoken. Uh, I've, I've spoken, did poetry. And we're sitting here now swimming in the content and having the chance to meditate on all that the Lord has done, is doing, and we pray will do. So we pray for that. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Of course, we miss Trillia. We're glad to have Dr. Perkins here on the show. You can find more information uh, about PrayPod at our website, United We Pray. Uh, You can go to our website, PrayPod.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at PrayPod. Just a couple of resources to recommend of uh, Dr. Perkins. You can get his first book, Let Justice Roll Down. He wrote that in 1967, the year before. Dr. King was shot. Uh, you can get his one of his memoirs, Dream With Me. I'm reading that right now and then just convicted and challenged. And I've only made it through... <laughs> a few pages of the book, brother. Thank you for that book. And then his book, One Blood, just came out uh, April 3rd. So you can look for those resources. We'll have a profile uh, on Dr. Perkins' uh, life linked to in the show notes. Uh, And as always, you can email us at praypod at gmail.com. If you've appreciated this show, uh, please rate and review us on iTunes, share our show with a friend. Uh, and do pray for Dr. Perkins and his ministry as he tours uh, the rest of the states as he goes around the world uh, speaking, uh, traveling, and delivering this message. Um, we, we're, I'm just so grateful for this time with you. I count it a privilege and an honor. So thank you again for that honor, brother. It's good to have you. Thank you. Bro. Thank you. The static comes alive. listeners, I just wanted to jump back on because right after we stopped recording, Dr. Perkins began reflecting uh, really on his life and really on the end of his life. Uh, It's no secret to Dr. Perkins that he's older, that uh, just given the natural course of things, that he does not have much time left on his race. And as he was reflecting on this, he likened his life to Paul's, uh, specifically Paul in Acts 20. When Paul's really reflecting on the end of his ministry or at least how his ministry might end Uh, and he's saying goodbye to the elders of the church at ephesus so i just want to read some of acts 20 uh, and just let you listen to dr perkins as he reflects on some of this because it just seemed to line up uh, so well so acts chapter 20 starting in verse 17. from miletus paul sent to ephesus for the elders of the church when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you, to, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then you hop down to verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them, the elders of the church of Ephesus, and prayed. The elders wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. What I love about uh, this passage is just how eerily it does smell of Dr. Perkins' ministry, uh, how he served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing, how he, how he preached both to blacks and whites, how he, how he, how he did not count his life anything to him, but only aim to finish the race and complete the task. So I thought you would be encouraged by Dr. Perkins as he reflects on finishing his race. Here are his words as he's reflecting on that grace and peace. Uh, on that journey to Rome, mm.
0: and he stopped by, you remember that, uh, the Church of Ephesus, and Ephesus is not on the sea. And so he was going from Caesarea on the sea and they was going to Rome. Mm. But he got word to the church at Ephesus to come down and join him. That would be a docking place
1: mm.
0: along the sea. Mm. And then of course he, he he sent he prayed for and dedicated uh that church to God mm. and to the word of His grace, mm. and then He continued on to Rome, mm. and uh, and He told them there, you probably will see my face no more. Mm. And He went on, and of course, probably they did not. Mm. It, probably He died three or four years later in Rome. Mm. You know, and so I, um, I'm I'm sort of looking at me coming here, sort of stopping by Ephesus, Mm. leaving here, going on somewhere else. You know, and Mm. so I'm sort of seeing my life, into my life, as doing that, Mm. saying goodbye Mm. to a lot of people. It's sort of joyful sort of a joyful
1: Mm.
0: uh, trip. At the end of my book um, um, uh, One Blood uh, um, I wrote and I was looking for an emotional ending because this might have been my last. and I sort of printed, published it as my manifesto. Mm. I might do something related because most of my books, uh, with the exception of "Let Justice Roll Down" and um, and, and 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 Dream with Me, uh, uh, have been uh, trade books.
1: Right, right.
0: They was helping us to do something. Right. Um, and uh, then I, yeah. So, so this I still might do some of that. I might do some more reflection. Yeah, but but as far as my central piece, I wanted uh, um, one blood mm. to be my central theological piece. Mm. I, I wanted it to be the sign of forgiveness. Mm. I wanted to be the sign of redemption. Mm. I wanted to be the sign of reconciliation. Mm. You know, so uh, a sign of the gospel.
1: Mm, know. You know,
0: I could say it like they said in the episcopal Church, in some of the churches, when they read the the, the, the gospel for that day, they said, and uh, and, this the <laughs> 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 and this is the gospel. And this is the gospel. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? And this is the gospel.